Next pitch swung on a deep drive. Left field backing up. Tapia. He's looking on the track. And it is gone. A three-run homer. Carlos Santana. And the Mariners have fought their way right back into this ball game. It is now 8-5 Toronto. The veteran Carlos Santana coming up clutch again for the Mariners. So now that we've had a few days, I guess, to reflect on things, it, it's wild now that we've in the United States again, in Houston, travel, customs, the whole thing. It, it kind of feels like a while ago now since the celebration, to me anyways. Is that is international crossing international borders do that too? Yeah, it just feels like it, it feels it's like, like it's a time warp. Yeah. Yeah, it's the exchange rate more than anything. I totally agree. It's uh, terrible, terrible these days. But now that we've had some time to reflect on what we saw, because it's funny to, in the moment, react to it. But when you have some time to think about it and just the ramifications and the impact, what are you thinking about after what we saw? Yeah, things like that are always harder. I'm curious for you. They're always harder to process in the moment, yeah, right? I mean, totally. It, it, because at the time, you know, nobody tells you, when Adam Frazier is about to bat that only twice ever in postseason history has a team rallied from this much of a deficit to win a game and no team has ever done it to clinch a postseason series. Uh, and so it's just you're in such the vacuum of the game that it takes me at least a little while to kind of get away from it to just be like, man, that was truly unbelievable and something we'll never witness again. Uh, odds are right yeah so for the Mariners to sweep that series and to do it in the fashion they did it I mean truly two of the best games in franchise history in different ways very different ways I mean the game one it was one of the best pitch games in franchise history and the second game obviously the story is the comeback mm -hmm. and we we have uh the best nugget that we got after the Mariners won that series, we were talking with uh, Joel Furman and Jesse Smith. They're of the Mariners uh, analytics department. Jesse is now the, I believe, the senior director. That's right. And he yes. really likes when we say senior. Yes. He's the senior director of analytics for the Mariners. And Joel, God, Joel, I'm sorry. I just think of you as the head pitching nerd. Yeah, it's the same job title without the senior. Oh, okay. So Joel is really dialed in on the pitching side of things, and he is. We've we've dropped his name numerous times over the years, both here on the pod and on, on the broadcast. And they were telling us, "I'm going to go on a little tangent here." Is that okay? Yes. You, you know where I'm going. Oh, no, absolutely. Okay. That's so, great. So they were telling us about something that we've also referenced, which is uh, something called the Shove Report. the The Mariners have two daily reports: mm -hmm. the Rake Report uh -huh. and the Shove Report. And as great you, names, great, 80 names. great names. For yeah, both. they are. They really are. So the rake report is for the hitters, of course, and the shove report is for the pitchers. And they're very process driven. They are taking the results out of the equation and they are simply trying to hone in on the process of a pitcher or hitter. So for the shove report, they're looking at velocity, spin, and thus movement of pitches, and of course, location of pitches, right? And there's more, but I think that's, I think they dumbed it down for us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which they have to they, do. They need to do, yeah. uh, which we appreciate that. Yeah. So those are some of the major factors that the Shove Report is looking at. It's analyzing every pitch thrown in every game by each Mariners pitcher. And it's a, it's a complicated thing, so much so that it takes 
approximately 12 hours to process from the moment the game is over with. So they're not available till the next day. The shove report is graded on a 0 to 100 scale, with 100 being perfect, which, of course, doesn't happen. Game one of the wild card, where Luis Castillo shoved, and then Andres Munoz did the same, it generated the first ever 100 shove report score. Unprecedented, has never happened. That's how great of a pitch game it was. And Gary, you brought up the point after that game that that start in particular by Castillo is one of the greatest starts in Mariners history. And I had not considered that until you mentioned it. And I think you're spot on. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game. It wasn't a no-hitter. But uh, you can expand on it more when you look at the context of yeah. it. 100%. Context, opponent, atmosphere, stakes. You throw that all in. And it's funny. This is going to be weird to say. But the final line is great. I think the start is better than the final line. For sure. Because you see the six hits. But, man, that doesn't tell the story at all. Because... He, he wasn't threatened. Those were not hard hits. I mean, we're talking about bleeders and broken backs. They were like 65. Back-to-back -back hits were roughly yeah. 65 miles an hour off yeah. the bat. Yeah, he, he just wasn't threatened. I mean, there was a Vlad at bat, a couple hits, a couple singles, and Vlad's batting is the tying run. So in that respect, you know, there was uh, some tension. But uh, you brought it up late in the ballgame. It's just he wasn't sweating. Yeah, Mike mentioned that on the air. It was he, perfect. He's like, I don't think Castillo has... <laughs> Has a it was beat of swept. Perfect. And I, and I laughed, and then I looked at the monitor. I'm like, yeah, oh, you're you're actually being serious. He's not sweating. And he, at one point, you know, he threw a strike. It was called a ball. He's smiling on the mound. It's just in that moment, in that environment, man, I get so much joy out of watching him pitch. And it's great, you know, when he's just dealing in the playoffs. But he's a great pitcher with wicked stuff who pitches with the it factor. You know, what, sure. whatever that is, he's so much fun. That was great. I will pivot off that point, and I will ask you a question. You know, Logan Gilbert's still a young man, still a young pitcher. He's yeah. gearing up for his first postseason start, of course. Logan developing that it factor? Like, he's not the flex, whatever we call this from Castillo, right, with the bicep curl walking off the mound and the... 180 spin and all that stuff. Like, that's not Logan's style. Although right. he does have the kind of Logan case strut. Yes, he does. Right? And now we got the whole, for whatever, you called the goatee thing. I mean, you really were on this early. It's it's menacing. He looks like a legitimate gunslinger. <laughs> Between that and the flowing hair? Yeah. I mean. And he, we talk about this all the time. The extension. I mean, he's, I mean, he's enormous. Up there. I d the whole thing yeah. really works. He's super unique. He needs to be wearing the gunslinger. He needs to be wearing like a cowboy merch. Has a, has a pitcher ever worn chaps? <laughs> Spurs. Spurs. <laughs> that's a, that's I, a great idea. I might recommend. I knew. Uh, I mean, like you need. Ah. Hey, you, let's face it. You need time. You need innings. You need moments to build that and develop that. I mean, yeah. Castillo didn't have that after his second season, right? I mean, he sure. has it now. But I think Logan Gilbert is on a path where some form of that, his version of that, is developing before our very eyes, especially with the stuff he has. His, just his physical form on the mound, which is for some guys a part of it. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's happening. I can't wait to see. I mean, hey, when, we're, when we're talking pitching, by the way, something we haven't talked about, 
the stuff the Mariners threw out in those two games. Yeah. I was looking up just straight velo, just total gas numbers for the Mariners. Okay, in the postseason so far this year. Now, most of the wildcard series were sweeps, right? I mean, yeah. Except, except for, for the, one. Yeah, except for the Mets and the Padres. Except for the ear game. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the Mariners threw 88 pitches in those two games at 97 miles an hour or greater. It comprised 28% of the Mariners' pitches thrown were at 97 miles or greater. Not only was it the highest percentage of pitches thrown at that velocity for any postseason team thus far, it was an outlier amount in terms of just the raw number of pitches. 88 pitches by the Mariners at 97 or greater. The next closest, the Mets, DeGrom, 69. I mean, the Mariners are just rolling out one dude after another, just blowing smoke. And it's intentional. Jerry talked about it before the series started. And it was interesting to hear the chatter from folks in Toronto taking note of Jerry talking about that, that power wins in the postseason. Both on the mound, you got to have swing and miss, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, and the Mariners certainly have that. And you've got to have power at the plate. You've got to hit home runs. It's funny, the Mariners did buck a couple of trends to get that historic win in game two because they were out homered. And at least in the last two seasons, winning a postseason game while being out homered has been nearly impossible, but we saw a lot of impossible they, uh, to be clear, in that game. They, they were, they, it was a draw on the home runs. Oh, yeah, it ended up being a draw, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Two, but, I mean, the, but to, more to your point, two home runs by the Mariners, two home runs by the Blue Jays, uh, but we're we're tracking this. We should let our listeners know. We're, yeah, we're, you have got a spreadsheet we a spreadsheet. Yeah. We're, we're tracking the whole playoff field, and here's what we're looking at. Wins and losses for a team when out-homering their opponent. Mm-hmm. We're looking at their total home runs. The runs scored via the homers, and of course, their total runs scored. So I think that's what makes the Mariners' situation so interesting. Okay, the home runs were a draw, so even Steven, but the Mariners scored 14 runs in those two games. Only five came on the home run. Meanwhile, uh, this is the extreme opposite. Guardians and Rays, the Guardians who uh, don't hit home runs ever, the most contact-centric team. They never strike out. There was all these questions. We had them as to how they would fare in the postseason when you have to hit home runs. The Guardians swept the Rays. They hit two home runs, accounting for all three of their runs. That's amazing. So, I mean, even the Guardians had to hit home runs. And they don't hit home runs. And they don't hit home runs. They hit a go-ahead two-run home run in game one to win the game, and then a 15th inning walk-off solo home run to break a nothing-nothing tie. And for the context, you look at the postseason last year, when you out-homered your opponent in a playoff game, you were 25-2 and two last season. Twice a team got out-homered in the playoffs last year and won. What about, do you have the scoring first nugget in there? Yeah, scoring first, 28-9 for That's... teams that scored first. Last year, essentially, 50% of runs were scored directly on home runs. And the Mariners, you know, the Mariners didn't score first in Game two. I mean, game two was just historic in a lot of different ways. They scored last. (laughs) Yes, they did. They scored last. As it turned out, that was the most important. And I mean, this is the thing, right? For all all of these ways of looking at a postseason game, home runs, runs scored via the home runs, scoring first, whatever, not scoring first, like, it's kind of like the shift. I mean, if a guy's got an 80% chance or probability to pull the ball on the ground, I mean, it's 20% of the time it's going to go the other way. Right. Right. So nothing is... 
locked in stone. Sure. But this is, I mean, these are trends and tendencies that, you know, every manager and every uh, GM or president of baseball ops, they're all looking at. They all are building their team to do this in the postseason yeah. in, in some form or another. And the Mariners, when you get back to the power arms, I mean, that's it's a part of it. It's a huge part of it. It is. And as we kind of we pivot to this series, the Mariners taking on the Astros, they have all of that too. It's funny actually being here in Houston because it is so familiar to us. We're here all the time, every year, but – it the, is the, very different this time. The condo you bought down the street is lovely. I, I know. It's just, really great. Uh, everything is so familiar. Even though we haven't been here this season for – it's been a while been a since we've time. been here. But the fact it's a postseason series, is, it feels very strange just considering how often we're here. But it, it's you have to deal with all of that with the Astros. There's just no getting around. They have been a great team this year. Offensively, they pack a serious punch. They have all that power that we talked about. And the rotation has been ridiculous this year. Is their window closed after this year, Gary? Yes. Yeah, I think this it's is it, right? Slam shut. This, <laughs> this is definitely It's being it. propped up with a stick as we speak. It is amazing to look at how you can lose Correa and Springer, for example. But when you replace them with Alvarez and Tucker, which is essentially kind of how it's worked out in the scheme. They kept Altuve, obviously, and Bregman has been here with an extension. But they kind of replaced two core guys, which is really Really hard to do. Well, they lose Cole. They yeah, the lose, rotation. They lose Charlie Morton. Yeah. Morton struck out 200 batters in consecutive seasons with the Braves now. Yeah. I mean, it's it is, it's really incredible. They've been the class of the division, hands down. And maybe it's only fitting that the Mariners have to kind of conquer their biggest nemesis I know. if they want to advance. I mean, the winning, uh, you know, Scott would never say it. Players would never say it, and I don't blame them. But to, to win this series and advance the ALCS would be incredible. But to do it against this team yeah. would take it to just heights that we can't even imagine. You know, it's funny. In a weird way, too, uh, it feels more possible in a five-game series than a seven-game series. Would you agree with that? Specifically against the Astros? Yeah. Simply because of the Mariners starting pitching? Yeah. Yeah, I think with the exception of uh, playing the Dodgers, which let's worry about that if yeah, that opportunity can, presents hopefully itself. We, hopefully yeah, hopefully we can worry about that. <laughs> that'll, be our, that'll be three podcasts from now. Yeah. Um, I do think that longer series favor the Mariners because of their rotation. Okay. Is that where you're coming from? Well, I... The Astros have the same thing, though, which is interesting. For sure. Well, okay, that gets that gets to the kind of the crux of all this. When you look at, side note, when you look at how hot the Mariners have been yeah. since the start of the 14-game streak, essentially, yeah. the Mariners, in any other season with any other team in the division, they catapult to the top spot. Right. The Astros played the same during that whole stretch. Yeah. I mean, the, the Mariners, I don't I have it in front of me. The Mariners gained, like, no ground right. or, or virtually no ground of the Astros that entire time. So to get to what you were saying, yeah, the Astros have all those same strengths. But at least you have strength on strength versus a deficiency yeah. for the Mariners. Yeah. Uh, the one wild card in all of this, I think, is, and we were down in the press conferences. We heard 
Dusty Baker address it, I thought very well. We heard Justin Verlander address it as well. There is the unknown, uh, especially in this new format. This is something that we have no data on this, how teams are going to respond. But the Astros have kind of been sitting around for a while as the Mariners have been playing. Their pitching is set. That's the advantage. But baseball is a game that is played every single day, and the Astros have not been playing every single day. Is there a way the Mariners can kind of jump the Astros in one of the first two games because of that? Russ, call it whatever you want. I don't know. I, I praise Dusty so much for his candor because a lot of managers would give you coach speak. We want the rest. We, of course, the rest is great for us. Why wouldn't we want the rest? And Dusty just said, we don't know. Yeah. We'll find out once we get out there. Like, you're not going to know to the end of the series. And this this doesn't seem like, even if this was the fifth year or the tenth year of the format, it seems like a really hard case study because every team is different. Mm -hmm. Every opponent for that team is different. There's... I don't, I don't know if you can historically say, well, the team who hits the most home runs wins the series. The team who gets the rest wins the series. Like I don't think it necessarily goes hand in hand because for 26 guys on a roster, some guys are going to benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Some guys might be hampered by it. And who are those players? How critical are they to that team? What is their role, right? I mean, for Logan Gilbert, the Mariners clearly wanted to get him rest. That's why he didn't pitch the final game of the season. And when I talked to Pete Woodworth about what does Logan have to do between now and whenever he pitches again to basically not get rusty, he said, get some sleep, don't miss the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, I wish I had more to tell you, but that's it. I said, that's the perfect answer. Yeah. Because for Logan, it was the rest was paramount. Mm -hmm. and that's what they prioritized over everything else. And there, certainly there are guys for the Astros who – they fall in that category. Get some sleep. Don't miss the plane. But for other guys, maybe the rhythm is more important. I mean, for Jeremy Pena, he's a rookie who has never been through a 162. For him, maybe this was like the gasp of fresh air he really needed. I don't know. But it would that would stand a reason. His body hasn't been through this before. Uh, so I, I, it will be interesting. And I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can look at a guy and say, oh, look. at Oh, he looks right. like. Look how slow his bat is. His eyes aren't right. He hasn't seen a fastball in a week. I, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that answer, but it will be really interesting. I know the Mariners have a great thing going, and it's almost kind of like the 14-game winning streak, and then the All-Star break happens. Yeah. I, I mean, right. I'm sure Scott was grateful for the rest because they were banged up, mm -hmm. but, I mean, if he could rearrange the schedule and somebody said, hey, Scott, you can just keep playing until your team loses, and then once they lose, take the all-star break? Yeah. I mean, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think you'd do that. So uh, we're not going to know until they get out there. Credit to Dusty for being honest about that. Yeah. But the Mariners have a great thing going, man. That's obvious. They're, they really do. And the thing about the, the Blue Jays series win is – it's great, and it's going to be fun to reflect on in the offseason no matter how far this ride goes. And some lifetime memories have been made through this thing. And what it guaranteed is Mariners fans yes. will get a chance to see the Mariners at T-Mobile Park play a postseason game this year. And I am thrilled. I cannot wait for game three. We were underwhelmed by the overall 
crowd effect in Toronto? Yeah, especially the context, because we were in on all the press conference, all the discussions, and the big talk in Toronto before the game was atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere. And keep in mind that the Blue Jays fans have not seen playoff baseball since those runs in, what, 15 and 16. And it it was incredible. And the atmosphere was incredible. And uh, so that's kind of the context of what you're talking about. And that place holds so many people. And there's a lot of the blat being passed around there. And it's crazy and the whole thing. The loudest it got was one or two batters into the ball game when Manoa was I pitching. I mean, I almost feel like it was right after the Canadian National Anthem with the it was, giant flag covering the whole outfield. It was so loud. Yeah. And then the Mariners dropped a three spot in the first inning. I mean, Julio then, gets hit, and yep. then... And then Castillo takes over, and they were out of it. Yeah. And then in the second game, they got loud for a couple of Teoscar home runs, and then... <sighs> Yeah. Gone. So for the majority of those 18 innings, the crowd was really pretty flat. Yeah. Uh, which I think speaks more to what the Mariners did. Agreed. It's not a slight on Blue Jays fans. All this to say, what the Mariners will experience, what the players will experience at T-Mobile Park for Game 3 of the Divisional Series will be, I I don't think I'm out of bounds here saying or or overstating, it'll be like nothing they've ever experienced before. Yes. And it, I think it will be, I firmly believe it will be the best home atmosphere in the postseason all year long. I mean, and it's, why wouldn't it be? Fans have been, some fans have been waiting a uh, lifetime a for bo- this. Bottled up is a phrase I would yes. use. Yes, yes. And what I hope, for a variety of reasons, I hope the Mariners can find a way to get a split here in Houston. You have to. Yeah. You have, I mean, don't you think you have to? Isn't it I critical? do. To win the series, yeah. To win the series. I think you've got to find a way to get us to win three straight. And then keep in mind that yeah. you play – after you play on Sunday, if there's a game five, you fly right – you fly after the game to Houston and saddle up and play Monday. Which is going to be hard. But, you know, this is where – I mean, we talked about it in the Blue Jet. This is where the Castillo trade is just everything, right? Everything. Because he's going to pitch – one of these games in Houston. And for the Mariners to win one of these games, they're going to have to beat Verlander and Fromber, I guess we're assuming. Assuming, right? yeah, for sure. You're going to have to beat one of those two guys that, or win one of those games that one of those two guys start. And they've both been great. But however the Mariners decide to do it, Gilbert Castillo, it hasn't been officially announced as we record this, but that's that's it, right? I mean, they have the guys to match up that way, but they do. You got to beat one of them. Yeah, but it's, it's such a challenge, especially in this building. We've seen it so many times. Their offense is loaded. Alvarez just—he scares me so much. The the fewer times you can pitch to him with guys aboard, the better. I mean, the Astros will have. I mean, is Verlander the Cy Young Award winner? Yeah, probably. Yeah, and Valdez. Too, I would think. Well, Valdez. Well. I just said Valtuve. Valtuve. Well, oh, Val- no. Well, they've, they've morphed to one. <laughs> the Astros Altuve Al, Al Otani, Frambois Valdez. Uh, will, and will Valdez finish in the top five? Yeah. I mean, he's been remarkable. He's I, over 200 innings. Too, yeah, yeah, and he had, the, he had the consecutive quality start mm-hmm. streak that was historic. And then you have 
Altuve and Alvarez, who have both had, and Tucker, who have had seasons worthy of MVP recognition, meaning votes, right? I mean, like, it's as studded of a roster as you'll find in the league, which we all know. But there's a lot. Of, I mean, Tucker, I mean, he's knocking on the door of a 30-30 season. I know. And, and Altuve, this is so weird to say, I feel like Altuve's year has been way better than people realize. His final slash is excellent. Well, and he, as we discussed on an earlier pod, he has the second most postseason home runs in baseball history. Yeah, he's uh, He's been here before. He's been here before. Verlander's been here before. I mean, there, there's nothing that will surprise this group of Astros. Yeah. But, you know, I'm kind of over, not that, not that anybody was harping on this, but I'm kind of over the whole, you don't have postseason experience, so you're inherently at a disadvantage. Oh, I agree with you that. Know, yeah. Like we saw it last series. We, yeah, we saw It's just like, okay, enough. Next. What other garbage take do you have? <laughs> yes. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. Like, for some guys. Sure. Sure. But you, I, it's so unfair to just. You just never know. Every guy's different. You never know how. You just can't lump people, them all in. Everyone's everyone's a person, <laughs> and everyone reacts different differently. Can like, that be, can I, be, I that remember, be the name of the podcast? Everyone's a person. Yeah, I remember before you called your first postseason, <laughs> you were cowering in the corner. Just you had to. I had to, had to drag I was me to the seat with a stick. Yeah. Like Aaron, Aaron come Aaron, on, you can do it. We're coming back. You in can 10, do it. Nine. Come Aaron. on. <laughs> you were so frightened. I put a bowl of ice cream at the table. <laughs> come sit down. <laughs> No, you're right. Uh, I was terrified. Um, <laughs> but you did it. But I did it. And it sounded okay. Yes. It sounded all right. Yeah. Well, as good as you can sound. That's what I'm saying. On the curve, you know, I, I just, uh, the Mariners have already shown us that that's, the, the bright lights aren't a problem. And I think they, they clearly channeled their excitement in the right way. I mean. Very productive way, yes. Very productive way. Meanwhile, uh, hey, we love Alec Manoa. Like the dude seems like a great guy. Yeah, he's an he's just an awesome soundbite yeah, in an interview, like, yes. and he's got nasty stuff, and he's just an enormous human being. He's got the whole. He's it's fun. He got the whole thing. Yeah, easy guy to root for. Like that first inning, man. I clearly, know. that was not him. That was one of his worst innings of the season. Yeah, and when you're talking about the kind of starters that that we saw in the last series and that we're going to see in this series, sometimes that's it. That's the, yeah. It's one inning or just a couple pitches. Well, I mean, it's, Scott has said it so many times, and it's so true. And it's not just Scott. It's, this is a baseball thing. For most, great, for, for most great starters, the time to get them is the first inning. Yeah. When they're not settled in yet. And Manoa, you combine the first inning factor that can be a thing for any starting pitcher with the adrenaline and the extra oomph of a postseason start and being in his building and that crowd – I mean, he clearly was just juiced to a level where he had a hard time harnessing it for those first three outs. And the Mariners, incredibly, I mean, it doesn't, we, we say that if you make a mistake, it'll be taken advantage of, but like, it's hard to take advantage of a mistake. And it's pretty remarkable how the Mariners jumped on that as quickly as they did mm -hmm. and set a tone for that game. And I don't know if I could say for the series, because it certainly wasn't looking that way for game two, but I mean, what mistakes he made, the Mariners were all over and put the game out of reach uh, with the way Castillo pitched after the first inning. 
I'm nervous for the. I'm I'm pretty scared for tomorrow, Gary. You're scared. Yeah, I, okay. I'm, I'm. I'm hoping to channel my adrenaline in the right way. I will say, before I, I took your pulse before both games, and you had a great feeling before both. Oh, that's true. That is true. Like you felt great I about did feel it. Great. In fact, I even said, if if we go back to the tape, I really, I don't know if I said this on the pod or just you and me, like I really wished. Going into game one, that it was the old wild card format. Yes, because you were convinced. I'm like, that, they're going to take game one, and the yeah. Mariners will be on to Houston. Yeah. Darn it. But it turned out to be okay. Now we have a historic, the Mariners have a historic win out of it. Is it too soon to get your feeling for tomorrow's game? We're still several hours away, so maybe the, those feelings have not been generated yet. Maybe we're too you know, far if from I can first be, pitch. If I can be perfectly transparent, which I think is what this podcast, the bedrock of this yes, podcast transparency, is transparency. Yes. This building gives me the heebie-jeebies, man. Yeah, I know. Like I don't know. We've seen it. We, I mean, we've seen it. We've been here for it. We've seen uh, disappointing losses. We've seen, I mean, truthfully, embarrassing losses. A handful of them. Uh, keep in mind, the Astros are a all-time great team. When you look at their run, right? So, I don't know. I just, I don't feel. I know that. I know this. The Mariners have to split, and they got, they got. The two right guys going to get a, to win one of the two. You know, there was a series here earlier this season. Yeah. I can't remember the date. They played well, and Cammy was here. Uh, well, he burned the sage. And Cammy then, is here again. That's true. Is that that makes it doesn't make me feel better. And the Mariners picked up their first series win here. Like ever? I mean, pretty close to forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was a big deal. It was a really big deal, and it should have been. Um, but yeah, I the the matchup, the way the Mariners pitchers matched up against Toronto, the Mariners won't have that the rest of the postseason. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I mean, it just the bullpen matched up so well. Uh, Castillo now Robbie, of course, doesn't match up well just as a lefty, but Castillo matched up so well. Yeah, and you just. You just look at it. You just look at it on paper. And you go, I feel really good about this. I mean, the, the Astros are a whole other, a whole other bag, man. Uh, but I know this: if if the Mariners, if the Mariners can take Game One, <gasps> <sighs> well, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing: you go into Game Two down 0-1, you're not playing tight insofar as. It's an elimination game. Right. But, but the pressure gets right if, to that. Now, every athlete's going to say the same thing, right? We only look at one game. Don't look too down, far down yeah. the road. The whole, just another game. Yeah. All that stuff. Some of them, guaranteed, execute that better than others. Yes. I mean, they're humans. They're not robots. We've established the human we, part. We have established the human part. So you lose game one. You go into game two essentially knowing it's whatever... It is what? What's the name of a pre-elimination game? The penultimate elimination game? Yes. Because you you lose game two, you got to rattle off three straight, and that's very difficult. Yeah, against a great team. Against a great team, I mean, that just doesn't happen. So pop some homers off Verlander. Hit, that's hit the get a walk, hit a bomb. Yeah, you know, do it a couple times. And we let's go right now. I got one for you. Okay, let's go. How many times will Logan Gilbert touch 100 miles an hour? Oh, I like this. I'm going to say four. Oh, okay. I was going six. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. 
All right. I like it. This is a great thing about the postseason, especially with two days off. I, I always feel like it's quantity or quality over quantity. So if you're the starter, man, go for it. Yeah, and blow if, it out, man. And if you only give the Mariners five, but if it's five great innings, yes, that's what you take. Six does seem high. <laughs> well, that's I'm, the thing. That's kind of marinating a little bit. Yeah. I Has he, he thrown six pitches in his career at 100 miles an hour? I don't think he has. Yeah, but, you know, it's going to be it's, different. It's the postseason. Now, uh, let me ask you this. If his uh, spin rates are up, do you think Dusty should investigate his, his ears? ears? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> That's the trend. <laughs> Boy, that is a big risk because it, when, it, when it doesn't work out, it's a pretty bad look. Yeah, that didn't, that, didn't pair, that didn't go too well. All right, if you can stall for me, I'm looking at how many pitches. Do you have a read you can do right now? I'm looking at how many pitches Logan's thrown in his career. Well, it is a podcast. I could just edit you this could part just out. Just edit the that part out. Yeah. Could you play the Jeopardy music but right I here? But I probably won't because that would take some time to do, so... Okay, that didn't take long. That was really fast. That was so fast. I can't believe this. <laughs> He's never hit 100 miles an hour. Can you believe that? I thought he did. On a recent start. Well, you know what it is? Maybe on the board. That's the thing. We, what we've learned on via StatCast is that the board rounds up. So sure. if you, Although he's got one at 95 and a half. You would think that the board would have rounded you mean that up. Ninety-nine and a half. Thank you. What did I say? Ninety-five. That would really yeah. be rounding. You know, up. we're going to take a generous <laughs> approach here. <laughs> we really like Logan. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, the start against the boy Shane Shane Langoliers homered on a ninety-nine point five mile an hour really? fastball. Really? I, mean, I remember that home run. Yowza! Yeah, he's uh, touched ninety-nine uh, eight times in his career. Okay. Which I would have taken the way over on that. Well, you did. You're already on the record well, for six. Yeah, I mean, he's done 90, He's 99.6. This is all high watermark, which was this year. So six seems a little aggressive. No, I like it, though. Let's, I mean, let's it's, stay it's with set, six. It's set now. I, yeah. can't, I can't undo that. Yep. Cement has dried. Oh, gosh. And you're going to win that one. But it really will show you how much he's amped up if he hits it. This much we know. If he throws 100 miles an hour, it'll be the first time in his career. Which, well, I mean, let's agree. He's going to touch 100, right? I think, yes. I think he'll be jacked. Boy. will look like a real fool if he doesn't. Um, yeah. I I don't know what else to say. So Other are you ready? I've, I've really pinned myself in a corner here. I didn't yeah. really analyze that too thoroughly before. Spouting off. You would think on a podcast that you could, like, edit these things and okay, last, change it to make me look better. Last thing. Offensively, who's going to have a big series? If the Mariners are going to come away with a split here in Houston, yeah, who's it going to be? Well, can I, can I kind of just throw a wet blanket on that question? Yes. Okay, here's my wet blanket on that question, and I'm not telling you that's a bad question, but this is why I've got a bad answer for it. This whole year, this team hasn't been built like that. They just aren't. Yeah. I mean, this isn't. This isn't the Braves. I mean, the Braves have like six guys. So yeah, it's a bad around. example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, different example, yeah, but yes. But you know I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like, there are obvious guys, especially in the second half of the season. Uh -huh. I mean, you're primarily looking at Suarez, at Cal, mm -hmm. and at Julio, right? I mean, those have been the big bats in the second half. But this team just isn't built around 
that one guy who this is the guy who's gotten it done all year long. Yeah. And we saw that. Now, it's, it's obviously, I was going to cite the second game of the wild card, but you can't really cite that kind of a game and one guy because you needed like 10 runs. Right. I mean, right. <laughs> well, Julio, you've got three at bats left. I need you to drive in nine. <laughs> Go get them on a fastball, Julio. <laughs> um, You'd be a great coach. I would be, wouldn't I? Be great. Be really good. Yeah. I don't know why I got fired. Um, you have a good voice for it. Yeah. That's all the All right. <laughs> gather around. Gather, gentlemen. Gather. <laughs> We're just beginning. <laughs> We're not not finished yet. So I will say this. I was totally wrong on one prediction with the Blue Jays series, and that was I was convinced that Julio would do something remarkable, spectacular. Oh, there wasn't time. There's still uh, there's like if there was another game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh and he didn't have a bad series, but no. he didn't do typical Julio things. Yeah. So I guess I would have a hard time imagining a best of five without Julio doing something. Mm -hmm. um, but gosh, I just, you know, when you ask me that question, I'm kind of going through mm -hmm. the lineup. And unless I just literally pick a name out of the hat, you know, one of the, one of the big names that you would normally pick. I mean, what do you, what are you, what do you think? Are no, you, actually, I think your, I think your answer is right. It's a, it's a super boring answer. It's a cop. No, it's answer. not, it's not, but it's, it's the reality of it. Like it's, it's how they've done it. It's how they've done it, man. It's the way it is. Like, they're they're just so different than like. I mean, pick your team. It's hard to imagine the Phillies making like, a deep run okay. without Harper, like for the, example. Yeah, like the Red Sox. If Devers didn't have a great series, yes. Or if Bogarts didn't yeah, have a great that's series, the two. right? Yeah. It's like, well, you contain them, you contain the Sox. Yeah, basically. I mean, Toronto, great lineup, but Vlad and Bichette. Yeah, I mean, those those are the rocks. It's hard to imagine. Them beating the Mariners in a series without Vlad and Bichette having a big series. That sort of thing. Yeah. So with because of that, I, I just um I I would just be blindly guessing. It would yeah. be a straight picks to click. Yeah, that's you know? a which is always a which blind is guess. A total blind guess. Yeah. That's all it is. Oh, this was good. This was fun. It was really fun, Gary. Great to be with you. It's good to see you. Yes. Yeah, we never see each other. <laughs> it's great to see you. I have not seen my family in nine weeks, but it's great our to see you. Our five combined children have each celebrated four birthdays yeah. since we were last home. Yeah. Who is this? Oh, it's it's me. I live here. <laughs> I'm your father. <laughs> Here's a photo. <laughs> it's a family photo. <laughs> great All job, right. Gary. Yeah, this was fun.